It's Tuesday, January the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Elizabeth Holmes convicted on four counts, and Apple hits $3 trillion. First, the world in brief. A federal jury in California found Elizabeth Holmes guilty on four counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud against investors. She was acquitted on four charges related to defrauding patients. On three others, the jury deadlocked. Each count on which she was convicted carries a maximum sentence of 20 years' imprisonment. Before the collapse of her blood-testing startup, Theranos was valued at $9 billion. Apple's stock market value briefly exceeded $3 trillion on Monday, a first for any company in the world. Shares in the iPhone maker are up by 40% since the start of 2021. The firm now accounts for nearly 7% of the S&P 500. It took Apple 42 years to reach the trillion-dollar mark in August 2018. It has tripled in value in just over three years. Lawyers for Virginia Dufresne and Prince Andrew sparred over whether a previous settlement between her and Jeffrey Epstein, a sex offender, shields the Duke of York from liability in her civil suit against him. She says she suffered sexual abuse two decades ago. The prince denies the allegation. In 2009, she accepted $500,000 from Epstein and agreed not to sue any, quote, potential defendants. Tesla was roundly criticised after it revealed it had opened an outlet in Xinjiang, a western Chinese province, sanctioned by America for its repression of the Uyghurs, a Muslim minority. The carmaker, the world's largest by market capitalism, opened its showroom there on New Year's Eve. Marco Rubio, a Republican senator, said firms like Tesla helped the Communist Party cover up genocide and slave labour. Turkey's annual inflation rate rose to an eye-watering 36%, its highest level in 19 years. December saw the year's biggest increase, with consumer prices up almost 14% on the previous month. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's unorthodox belief that low interest rates will tame inflation is to blame, and his continued insistence on slashing them will only add to Turkey's woes. Twitter permanently banned Marjorie Taylor Greene's personal account for repeated violations of the social media platform's policy on spreading COVID-19 misinformation. The Georgia Congresswoman had her account suspended temporarily in the past, but this is the first time a congressperson has been kicked off the platform indefinitely. She took to Telegram, a popular alternative, to decry Twitter as an, quote, enemy to America. Richard Leakey, a Kenyan-born paleoanthropologist, died aged 77. The fossils he unearthed, including Turkana Boy, the most complete skeleton of an early human ever found, bolstered the case that Africa was the cradle of humanity. Mr Leakey later battled the ivory trade. As head of Kenya's wildlife service, he authorised rangers to shoot armed poachers and burned 12 tonnes of tusks in protest. And fact of the day. 
195 kilometers per mile. The speed of Typhoon Rise sustained winds, the strongest storm to batter the Philippines in 2021. And now, here's today's agenda. Massacre in Myanmar Tuesday marks 74 years since Myanmar declared independence from the British. But this year, most Burmese will have another oppressor on their minds. Over the past 11 months, the army has laid waste to the country in a bid to stamp out opposition to its coup in February. It has shelled and torched thousands of homes, tortured prisoners, killed healthcare workers and destroyed stocks of food intended for people displaced by the civil war it caused. On Christmas Eve, the army massacred at least 35 people and set their bodies alight, bringing the death toll to 1,393. It is the most egregious recent example of the army resorting to slaughtering civilians, a tactic long used against the country's ethnic minorities, such as the Rohingya, and now directed against the Burma majority. As if such brutality were not enough, former UN experts warned that millions of Burmese people are on the brink of starvation. America's Messy Vaccine Mandate On Tuesday, two federal COVID-19 vaccine mandates came into force. Each of the about 84 million Americans who work for a company with more than 100 employees will have to get jabbed or submit to weekly testing and face coverings. So will federal government employees. Separately, 17 million healthcare workers in facilities receiving funding from Medicare or Medicaid, two of America's federal healthcare schemes, must also be vaccinated. The mandates are controversial. Businesses, religious groups and conservative state governments have all objected, claiming that the mandates are examples of executive overreach and that such a heavy-handed response will hurt the economy. The Biden administration has decided to postpone enforcement until after the Supreme Court weighs in on Friday on legal challenges against the mandates. But even if the legal challenges against them are dismissed, the mandates might face yet more opposition on the ground when attempts are made to enforce them. France seeks fishy litigation against Britain. In a fresh outbreak of cross-channel tensions, France wants its European Union partners to initiate legal action against Britain. Its alleged offence is failing to hand out enough licences for French boats to fish in British waters. Under the Brexit deal, boats that have traditionally fished in such waters are entitled to licences permitting them to continue for several more years. Larger trawlers have mostly been able to provide sufficient evidence, but smaller boats often lack reliable records. British and Channel Island authorities have rejected around 50 applications, most of them from French fishers. Fishing is of trivial economic importance for both sides, accounting for less than 0.1% of GDP. 
but Franco-British relations are at a low point. Brexit belligerence is one of the few things uniting Britain's ruling Conservative Party, and a presidential election looms in France in April. Politically, neither side can afford to be seen to be backing down. The piscine contest will continue. Britain has a new approach to investment. Britain's government claims to pride itself on its openness to international investment. But it also worries that a lax approach could leave the country vulnerable to espionage and sabotage. So, from Tuesday, anyone wanting to acquire more than 25%, 50% or 75% of a British company in one of 17 sectors including artificial intelligence and communications, will have to get government approval. The government insists that it will rarely get involved. Its own impact assessment estimates that it may only formally block or require changes to around 10 transactions each year. Still, uncertainty over which acquisitions are covered could add to bureaucracy and cause delays. The government has given itself maximum flexibility by leaving the definition of national security vague. That also gives it more power to meddle. The new security regime is making investors feel a little less secure. The growth of eco-horror Eco-horror a subgenre of art exploring the natural world's retaliation against human mistreatment has evolved as people wake up to the horrors they have wrought. In cinema, The First Swarm, characterised by The Birds, 1963, Frogs, 1972 and Dogs, 1976, focused mostly on creatures turned rabid, preying on anxieties surrounding nuclear war and pollution. As awareness of global warming grew, films such as The Day After Tomorrow, 2004, and The Happening, 2008, explored the consequences of rising temperatures. In this unprecedented moment of existential risk, the genre is undergoing a new, stranger rebirth. In Lamb, a brooding exploration of folklore, and environmentalism released in September in Iceland and December elsewhere, an Icelandic farming couple find a part human, part lamb changeling among their flock. And as time runs out, this new generation of films offers a grimmer message. Earlier eco-horrors typically preserved some hope. Recent offerings such as Unearth 2020 and Gaia 2021, suggest that it may already be too late. Winter Quiz, Week 4 The battle with our baristas continues. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. 
We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Tuesday. Which family ruled the North in the series Game of Thrones? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Isaac Newton, who was born on this day in 1643. No great discovery was ever made without a bold guess. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 